Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. Today, if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, I've got a lot to say today, and so I'm just going to jump right in. But a parable, uh, the Greek word is parabole, and it means, it literally means to come alongside. And so if you just imagine like Jesus has this truth he wants to, to, to get in our heads and get in our hearts, well, he would tell a story that would come alongside and help that truth get to its intended target. Now, even the people that were listening in, you know, in New Testament days when Jesus was speaking sometimes had a hard time putting the dots together, right? And so sometimes Jesus would explain these parables to his disciples and, and, and sometimes he wouldn't. And, and people would just be left to wrestle with it and try to figure it out. And we have the amazing benefit of hindsight. We get to see all of scripture and, and all of history and be able to put some of the pieces together. And so it's just such a privilege to me when we get to unpack the very words of Jesus and the stories that he told and say, hey, what does this mean to me? But for some of you, you know, you just like things really, really black and white. Some of you are like, kind of like that kid on, on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and you're like, you're like, I just don't understand fishing metaphors. If you have kids, you got that because you, you've watched all these, these dumb kids, kids movies. But hey, we're going to make it really um, our, our, our goal during this series to make these parables understandable. Uh, to anybody, whether you're an unbeliever, a new believer, or a mature believer here at Mosaic Church, we want you to be able to understand. And so in Matthew chapter 13, there were seven different parables. There was one, the first one was about the message of the kingdom. And you're like, what kingdom? We're going to talk about that in a second. And, and our responses. And so that was parable number one. The next six parables in Matthew chapter 13 were all about the kingdom itself. And so just think about this, one parable about the message of the kingdom, and then six parables that describe what the kingdom of God is like. Now, all throughout this, this chapter, Jesus is referring to it as the kingdom of heaven, right? Kingdoms, we know, have kings, and, and when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, it has one king, and, and that is King Jesus. And, and you know, he's one with the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit. And, and so we got to remember, man, this is a kingdom. This isn't a democracy. It's a kingdom. And we have one king, and it's, and it's, it's not me, and it's, it's not you, and it's Jesus. And that's a huge just starting point when it comes to talking about the kingdom of heaven because throughout history, we've had a lot of kings and a lot of kingdoms. Even in the Bible, there's, there's a couple books named First and Second Kings and there was all kinds of kings. You know, maybe growing up, you heard about uh, King Arthur and the round table and, and the sword and the stone and, and maybe you loved all, the, all those, those fantasy stories with, about kingdoms and, 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 and so we've heard about kings. And some of you are, are real into Lord of the Rings, and you're like, the return of the king. And you're, you know, we've heard about kings, right? Many of you are enamored with the monarchy in England. Like any news and on the tabloids and anything comes across, and you're like, your ears perk up, and you're like, ooh, what's the latest tidbit of gossip from the royal family? And, and you just love to hear all about it. It's like you get your popcorn out, and, and, and you're just like, what's going to happen? But... 
So many times in life, we are enamored with kingdoms that have no power. You think about it, even the, even the, the royal family in England, they might have a lot of status and money and, and maybe, maybe worldly prestige, but even their own country has, has really taken all the real power out of that kingdom and put it into more of a democracy or parliament. And so, but we're enamored with kingdoms that have no power. Fantasy worlds and, 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 and kind of just positional kingdoms. And so we're enamored with a kingdom that is anything but real. And isn't that just a little weird? And I think it's because when, when a kingdom is not really real and when it really, when it really doesn't hit home and we don't really claim a king, then, then we can just keep it as kind of like a safe story from a distance. Oh, it's just like, oh, it's fun to watch and just hear about the details. And, and, but many of us, we, were re- we really wouldn't want to have a king in our life because that, that, that includes words like submission and, and surrender and lordship. Stories, you can keep at a distance. But Jesus was telling stories that were illustrations of real life. Real life. And so when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, it's not some fantasy story. It's not some book you're reading. It's like this is the real deal. He's talking about a very real kingdom that at this moment, and when Jesus came, and by the way, when Jesus came, they thought it was going to be like he was going to set up shop and he was going to set up an earthly kingdom. But no, he was, he was coming to set up a kingdom in your heart, not in the government. And so... But it was a very real kingdom. And so let's look today at what the kingdom of God looks like in Matthew chapter 13. And the first thing that we're going to learn from these, these seven parables is, is, number one, right off the bat, Jesus is, is confronting with us with the question, what is your response going to be to the kingdom of God and its message? What is your response going to be? And so parable number one is about the farmer and, and the seed. And, and, it, it's, and it's one of the parables in this chapter that Jesus actually unpacks with the disciples. And you can read. And I want you to go home this week and read through Matthew 13. And Jesus is going to unpack to you very clearly and succinctly what the meaning of this parable is. But it says in verse 19 that the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. And so we see from that 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 the seed is all about the message of the kingdom, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for you on the cross, he rose again on the third day, and he wants to save your soul and, and, and give you new life, Right? And so the footpath, it was the shallow, it, it, was, it was, man, you just don't understand it. The shallow soil, it was, it was that, hey, you accept the message, but, but there's just no roots, and so kind of quickly you fall away. And then there was the thorns that represented, you know, the cares of life, and, and you didn't want to go through persecution. You really didn't want to go anything hard, through anything hard for your faith, and so you just kind of bailed. And then there was the good soil, the people that really accepted God's message. And so we see Jesus is unpacking all these different responses to God's message of salvation. And so I want you to dig into that this week, but here's something I just want you to think about. We live in a society where the response dictates the validity of a message. Let that, th- let that sink in. We live in a culture and in a society where the response to a message 
dictates the validity of the message. And so we ask ourselves, does this message resonate with me? Have you ever thought about that? It's like, does this, does this message resonate with me? And things that don't resonate, that's a real hot word these days, get cast off as unimportant and irrelevant. And so, yes, Jesus is saying, hey, this, these are different kind of people and where they're at in their journeys and here how, here's how the message lands in their heart based on the circumstances of life or their readiness to hear, all kinds of things. But Jesus' example also illustrates very clearly that a response has nothing to do with the validity of his message. But the response changes how much root it takes in your life. And so I want you to just get this right off the start today that Jesus' message is so true and it's so good and your response or your belief in it or your lack of belief in it doesn't change how true it is. All right? Jesus was never saying, hey, this message is, is true to some people and not true to others. He was saying, this, this is the seed. This is the gospel. This is the truth. And the truth is going to land in different people's lives in different ways, and some are going to accept it, and some are going to um, reject it. Some are just going to be too numb to hear it. And so the big question for you and for me today is, what's your response to the message? Do you understand it? Do you, are, do you have room in your life for deep roots to grow, or are there some rocks that you need to take out of your soil? Or is your life choked by the love of this world, and you have such an adverse reaction to being uncomfortable that you're not really willing to go any, through any hardship for Jesus' sake? Or are you embracing the message of Christ wholeheartedly with an attitude of surrender? And I just want to encourage you today, no matter what soil you are, hey, this is the right place for you. And this is a place where you can till up the ground of the soil in your life, whether, whether it's like a hard-packed path or whether it has some rocks in it or some, there's some thorn bushes growing in it. Hey, this is a great place to do some weeding. This is a great place to get your, your automatic tiller out, and, and, which is the Holy Spirit, and just start running that thing through the garden of your life and breaking up the soil and opening up your heart to the Word of God. Can we do that together today? Soil is a really ex interesting example. Because uh, the, the, the seed and the soil, because it's like such a precious message that gets buried in dirt. Think about that. Jesus put his most precious thing that he could ever give us into earthen vessels, which is you and me. Jesus is really clear that for a seed to have, you know, any meaning, it has to be, first be buried and, and it has to die is exactly what Jesus did for you and for me. So everything points to the gospel. The seed going into the dirt, it's dying and it's buried and it's rising again in new life. And so what we need to take away from it is that Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it, amen? And so bottom line, the message is powerful, it's all-encompassing, and it changes lives that are willing. I still remember the time, the, the the first time the gospel really came alive to me, I was, I was probably six years old in a kid's service at church, and it was like, boom, like a ton of rocks. I need Jesus. 
And this is something the Holy Spirit does in your life, and I'm just praying that right now where you sit today, you can realize, hey, I've, I've been really hard soil, but I need Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is starting to work in the soil of your life for his message to hit home. And so the message of the kingdom is, is life-changing. But the second thing that we see through these parables is we're gonna see th- three truths and three warnings about the in-between. And I kind of alluded to this earlier that we're living in the in-between. Jesus came, he died, he rose again. He ascended back to the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's, in, he's interceding for you and me right now, but we're in this in-between time. And it's a battle. And Jesus is coming again. And so these next three illustrate this. This is where we live now. So the message was planted, and now the message is growing in our lives. And there's going to be a harvest. And so in this period of time, the kingdom of heaven, it rules in our hearts and in our lives. And so let's look look at verse 24 through 30. It says, here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the workers slept, the enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The The farmer's workers went to him and said, sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull the weeds out? No, he replied, if you uproot the wheat, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, bundles and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. Man, there's a lot here, and Jesus unpacks this one as well later in the chapter. And it identifies key characters and key moments in the timeline of history. Some current and some future, and some in the past. So the seed is the message that Jesus planted in our hearts when he came to this world. The, the wheat is those who are growing in Christ. If you've given your heart and your life to Christ, you're the wheat. The weeds are people that belong to the evil one. And the harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. And for the first time in, in this chapter, we see a separation that at the end of time, at the end of the age, when Jesus comes back, there's literally going to be a separation of those who are following Jesus and those who aren't. And the interesting thing is that, is that they're growing up together. And as we're going to see through the other illustrations that sometimes, you know, they're indistingu- indistinguishable from each other. You know, the people that were hearing this knew how this could happen because, you know, there was, there was the thing called wheat that grew, but then there was this also this, this other kind of plant that was a weed called darnel grass. And as they would both grow, guess what? They looked identical, and you literally couldn't tell the difference between the two. And only when the fruit sprouted near the end, when, when the wheat became mature, that you could tell the difference between the actual wheat and the darnel grass. 
And so Jesus is saying that, hey, if you're following Jesus, there's likely going to be influences around your life, and there's going to be people that could even be close to you, that, man, it looks like they're following Christ, maybe, and they, they might even look like a Christian. They, they go to church, and they, they, they sing the songs, and, and they, they talk the right talk, and, and all this kind of thing, but, but really, when, when we stand before God, only God is going to be, be the one that is going to be able to judge and to separate people. This is not a popular message. It's not. But Jesus himself said that we're in the world, not of it. And so there's got to be a difference between those who follow Christ and those who, who are just playing games, right? Many times we really worry about the state of our world. And, but this parable is teaching us that we need to worry more about the state of our souls and our personal maturity and worry about the day where we stand before God and this, this great separation takes place. Listen, it's obvious. God knows about the corruption, about the problems, and he's not phased by it. When, when, the, when the workers came to the farm and said, should we pull the weeds? He's like, no, just let them grow together. A separation will happen. And it's not your job, and it's not my job. It's his job. Our job is to take personal responsibility for our lives and make sure that we are growing to maturity. He'll take care of it. Our job in the present is to keep growing, to keep telling, to keep casting seeds. The next parable in verse 31, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. What is with all these seeds and planting and farming? But, but hey, this was, the, this was the audience Jesus was talking to. It's like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all, of all garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in bake, making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. What in the world? You know... There's two interpretations that scholars have come up with, and really, they both work. They really do. Because on one hand, when God plants the, the, the seed of the gospel in our life, it explodes and it grows into something amazing, right? And it's an unrefutable truth. God's word and his kingdom grows, and you and I can't stop it, even if we try. Many times throughout history where people actively try to stop the kingdom of God from growing, guess what? It grows even faster. Most people don't even understand or know how fast and how explosively the kingdom of God is growing across the globe. For instance, just one example. Over the past four decades, Christianity has grown faster in China than in any country in the entire world world. Current best estimates are, is that in the last four decades, the church in China has literally gone from about 1 million believers to over 200 million. No other place in the world has grown faster. And no other place in the world has been more oppressive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so part of the truth of this parable that Jesus is saying, you can't stop it. You might try. You might think that, oh, it's just another one of the many religions, but it's not. The kingdom of heaven is like a seed that is gonna grow. It's like the yeast that when, man, it's gonna permeate. It's going. The, the, the bigger question is, 
Which side are you on? So Jesus said unequivocally, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so Jesus is on the offensive and hell is on the defensive. In the meantime, though, another truth that we could take from this parable is that, that this mustard seed that was really supposed to grow in that day to a bush, he said it, it, it could even grow into a tree and that birds come and nest in its branches. Well, in the previous parable, in the first parable in this chapter, the birds were negative. They were the ones that came to the footpath and stole the gospel away. And here it's saying that birds are going to come and nest in the branches. And so another possible interpretation is that, hey, the, the, the gospel is growing, but there's also going to be opposition. And in your life, man, there's going to be a battle for you to stay true to the word of God. And even though the, the word of God wants to explode in your life, things are going to come into your life that want to keep you from serving Jesus wholeheartedly. Right? So don't be naive. Don't be naive. And this is just another reminder that we are in the in-between. That the church is growing like crazy. And our church, by the way, should never stop growing because the message of God is just that good. And at the same time, there are people and there are forces in the world that literally want to destroy the church. And we have to have our guard up and be ready. It's the same thing with the leaven. In many, many, and leaven is yeast, just by the way, so that's a, that's a more common word, that when the yeast works into the dough, it works into all the dough. And that could be a really good thing, or in Scripture, there are many places where leaven rep represents sin, and it's something very negative. And so another interpretation of this is, hey, you know, in your life, you really got to watch what you put in because, man, just like the gospel can spread in power throughout your life, bad things can too. And so you want to stay true to the real meaning of Scripture and the real meaning of the gospel. And so we are in the in-between. The gospel is growing. The gospel is growing in amazing ways, but there's also weeds that grow up. There's, there are birds that might be nesting in the trees, and, and we need to be mindful and not be naive, church, because there's a very real separation that will happen when Jesus comes back. Number three, Jesus bought you at a great price, and he's worth any price that you have to pay. Just like the previous uh, uh, three parables that we looked at, there's, there's some really positive things to these next, next ones, and there, there's, two, there's two ways that you can really look at, at these next few parables. But all three of these next parables, no matter how we look at them, show God's amazing love and grace for you and me. So the first two, let's look at those in verse 44 through 45. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So these two parables can be interpreted in two ways. The first is more obvious. When you discover the message about Christ, it's worth your whole life. Everything you have to give, Jesus is worth it. 
When you discover how good God is and how, how life-changing the message of Jesus Christ is and that you can, you can in one moment be old and dead in your sin and your, your past and, and just ridden with guilt and in the next moment you can be free. It's worth laying down your whole life. It's worth giving up anything you have to give up. It's worth running away from sin and running into a new life with Christ. Amen? It's worth it. And no choice that you will ever make in following Jesus is regrettable. He's worth it all. And so that's the, the first. It's the, it's the stance that you're the man doing the discovery in the story, or you're the merchant that found the pearl of great price, and it's worth your whole life. The second vantage point is a little less obvious because you can also look at these two parables as if Jesus is the man or the merchant doing the discovering. And when he found you, he looked at you with so much worth and with so much love that you and I didn't deserve. And he went and he, he that, that when God, God saw you, he sold everything he owned and he gave his most cherished and precious possession to purchase your freedom. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so you can look at this parable and say, man, Jesus paid such an ultimate price. God gave up everything by letting his son be crucified on a cross so that you could be free. Man, if you needed another picture of the amazing grace of God, man, you got it today. God loves you that much. God loves you that much. He paid a high price for you. And so both interpretations of this parable fit the nature of the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For God brought, bought you with a high price. Amen. He bought you with a high price. And then parable number seven about the fishing net. And it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. Underline those two words, every kind. See, you might be here this, this morning and you're hearing like, you know, man, seeds planted. It's, God, is my heart hard or is it good soil? Do I have rocks or thorns in my life? And, and guess what? He threw out the net and it caught fish of every kind, which means he threw the net out for you too. No matter what's happened in your life, no matter what your past looks like, no matter what, what you're struggling with, every kind of person, whatever reason you feel like in your life that you're not worthy of God's love, let these parables say to you today that you are worth it that he's, through, he's thrown the net out and he wants to catch you too. When the net was full, they dragged it up under the shore. They sat down and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw away the bad ones. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? And I'll be the first to say that, man, when you read through parables like this and stories like this, there's a lot of questions. But the, the disciples, after Jesus had taken time to explain, they said, yes, we understand. But what we, you and I, we need to take from this 
this last story is that the kingdom of God is open to everyone. Yes, there will be a time of judgment, but that's not our job. It's not your job to worry about who's in and who's out. It's not. It's not up to us to determine. What is true for you and for me today is that God makes a way to freedom through Jesus Christ. That he paid a high price that he sought you and he bought you, just like the old hymn says, with his redeeming blood, amen? That, that we celebrated this morning. And so the biggest question for you and I today is are we ready to be found? Are we ready to, to let the, the soil of, of our life be good soil? Are we ready to keep growing in Christ towards maturity? Are we ready? Are we ready to, to, to let the right things expand and grow through our life and be, be mindful of the things that we need to, to, to reject in our life? Man, there's a lot of big truths here today for you to wrestle and chew on and meditate on this week and journal about. But the, but the biggest truth of it all to me is how much Jesus loves you, how much he has a plan for your life, how much, you know, in a tough world that we live in, he wants you to latch hold to the truth of the gospel. The truth that doesn't waver and doesn't change based on our response. The truth that just is. It doesn't need us to validate it. doesn't need us to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. No, it was validated when Jesus laid down his life for you, when he paid such a high price for you and for me on a cross. Amen. Amen. So like many of the stories that Jesus told, these are stories to wrestle with because Jesus was bringing a very real truth alongside with a story. But it's not just a fantasy story. It's not just a make-believe story. It's a, it's a real truth that he wants you to wrestle with today. And so if you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Where are you at when it comes to the message of the kingdom of God? Where are you at? And my prayer today is that you're ready to accept it with an open heart. And so if that's you today and you say, Joe, I wanna accept it wholeheartedly. I want my life to be good soil. I want Jesus's word to explode in my life like only he can. Is there anybody here today that says, that's me, Joe? I, I want to accept Jesus. I want God's word to, to explode in my life. I want it to grow. I want it to, to reap a huge harvest in my life. I want to believe in the message of Jesus Christ today. Anybody today? If you're online with us and you're watching, man, you can raise your hand right in your living room. So if that's you today and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand. We want to pray, pray together with you today. Amen. Amen. God, I pray for those that have raised their hand today, and I just pray that you meet them right where they're at. Friend, the Bible says that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you confess with your mouth that he's Lord, if you believe in your heart that he died for you on the cross and that he rose again, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. And then you, you commit your life to him, to follow him all the days of your life follow him. And the Bible says that when you put your faith and trust in Christ, you're a new creation. And so I want you to pray a prayer right now at your seat in your own words that reflects those truths.
Accept Christ into your life today. Amen. Amen. For the rest of us, I believe that God's challenged you in a certain area of your life. And then maybe it's time to just think about, man, how is the word of God growing in my life? Have I let any, any birds nest in my tree that, I sh- I don't, that don't need to be there? Am I letting things grow out of control in my life that, that don't need to grow in my life? And, and I, need, I need God's word to grow in my life. I need to get things back on track. I need, to, I need to value the kingdom of God for what it is. It's a pearl of great price and it's worth everything that I have to pay or that I ever could pay. It's worth it all because I was worth it for Jesus. And if that's you today and you say, Joe, I've just got something in my heart. I need to lay at the feet of Jesus today. And I need to, to take another step towards Christ in my surrender. If that's you, just raise your hand as we pray closing prayer today. Jesus, here we are, here's our lives. We want the kingdom of heaven in our lives to be something that really makes a difference, not something we just tell stories about, not just something that, that is just, you know, makes us feel good on the inside. But God, these are stories that illustrate very real truths, that this life is not a game. God, that you've given us an amazing, valuable message, and we need to take it seriously. And we want to be a part of your kingdom that is growing around the world. And to do that, Lord, we need to value it as something special and realize that it, it deserves everything we ever have to give. And so help us in Jesus' name to honor you with our lives and to even keep making the hard choices that we need to make to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.